Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. I want to hear cannons. go again. Tempo mode. Dropping the throw. Winston out. They got those to the left. That's intercepted at the 35. Outside the numbers to the 40. To the 35. To the 30. To the 25. To the 20. To the 15. Mike Edwards. Touchdown Tampa Bay. That's the dagger, my friend. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstock, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening. You're missing out. Woo! And there the cannons go. Cannons. Fire them. Keep yeah. on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. It is Monday. Unfortunately, not a victory Monday. More of a, an overreaction Monday, which is usually reserved for the day after week one. But here we are, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a 3-4 and four record, back-to-back losses against some of the worst teams the NFL has to offer. I mean, I mean, quite honestly, uh, back-to-back losses to one-win teams in the NFL. And listen, wins don't come easy in the NFL. But if you're Tampa Bay, after that opening stretch that they had, you couldn't have asked for a better slate of opponents to stack up a couple of wins. It's a Carolina team that they have dominated in recent years and a Pittsburgh Steelers team that, even though Pittsburgh is a tough place to play, the Bucs just weren't prepared to be out there. And the same could be said for last Sunday against Carolina. But welcome back to the show. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. Joining us, as always, on Monday as well, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, Sean King. Oh, man. I You know, I wish, I like, like I said, I, I wish we had a little bit more of a happier show to, to break down today. But it seems like... You know, through these first seven weeks of the NFL season for Tampa Bay, the finger has been pointed at just about everybody up until this point in the season. And it's another week, another bad loss. And now the finger points at just about everyone else. But I think, um, you know, I think honestly, if we have to look at a group of people on this Bucks team who are under the most heat right now, it's going to be this coaching staff. And that includes Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich at the offensive coordinator. Sean, let's go ahead and get into this thing. What are your thoughts from the game on Sunday a 21-3 loss for Tampa Bay. Well, you know, every week I say I like to put big picture context. I think uh, as a player, as a coach, as a organization, and definitely as a fan base, you, 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 your emotional roller coaster goes up and down from week to week. So the first thing I do today is I address the fact that we're in first in the NFC South. So before I go jump off the bridge and hang myself, you know, in my master bedroom closet, if the playoffs started today, we are in the playoffs. So I think 
you have to look at it and evaluate it based on that context. So I I try and read, you know, some of the local stuff in Tampa, you know, because I live in Las Vegas now. So with the time difference, you know, with the Raiders being in Vegas, sometimes the Bucks don't get as much coverage. And, you know, I saw mention of, you know, wanting to blame Todd Bowles, wanting to blame Byron Leftwich. I mean, I just think that's all way too premature. I mean, it, hey, has it looked as effortless as it did the first two seasons? No. But this is a different Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. And I think I've brought that up multiple times. When Brady first got here, a lot of those guys hadn't gotten paid yet. None of those guys had won a championship yet. And now they have. So it might take the embarrassment of losing to Pittsburgh and Carolina to kind of rekindle that level of commitment that they had or that was evident the two seasons before. So I'm not ready to jump off the bridge. Um, I'm not ready to fire Todd Bowles or fire Brian Leftwich or do anything even remotely, you know, uh, close to, to that. I just think we have to look at it. They have some things they have to get fixed. Uh, being 32nd in rush offense, you got to get that fixed. Because what happens if you look at the best teams in football now, they all have mobile quarterbacks. They have guys that when pass protection breaks down, they can extend the play. They can create explosive plays in the pass game by moving around, allowing guys to go in the scramble drill and doing things like that. As good as Tom is, that's probably the only legitimate deficiency he has is he's not a mobile move around, extend plays guy. So because of that, they have to figure out how to run the ball better. And if we're being honest, the defense has played winning football. I mean, they gave up seven points in the first half yesterday. I mean, in the fourth quarter, they had given up 14. Would you like them to be able to not give up some of those explosive runs that they gave up in the second half against the Panthers? Yeah, but at the end of the day, I mean, they're playing They're playing good enough to win. They played good enough in the Steelers game to win. They played good enough in the Panthers game to win. That's the side of the ball that Todd Bowles is responsible for. So I just think they have to figure out how to run the ball better, but they are still in first in the NFC South. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's the, that's the thing that's crazy about this. Um, probably the, the darkest, like, two weeks that the Bucks and their fans have had in a long time, right? Back-to-back uh, -back losses to two pretty bad teams, but they are still first in the NFC South because you know, nobody seems to want to take the lead in the NFC South. Uh, nobody seems to want to really win it, I guess. Um, because, I mean, heck, the, the Panthers, if the Bucks lose to the Ravens on Thursday night and the Panthers beat the Falcons, the Panthers, who were just selling off pieces, would be in first place. So it's it's remarkable how that, that's turned out. But, um, you know, I, I think... I can I can get the sense where you're coming from when you're talking about Todd Bowles. However, I do think Byron Leftwich deserves to be on the hot seat at least, uh, because there's just there's too much talent on this offense for things to be so predictable and things to get so out of sync. I mean, to not score a touchdown against the Carolina Panthers team that was one in five coming into it, 
is is a, is a fireable offense to me. And it's not all Byron Leftwich. We talk about it a lot. It's about the players executing. You know, Mike Evans dropping a wide open sixty four yard touchdown. That's not on Byron Leftwich. However, uh, a lot of it is. You know, the the run schemes. The you talked about being thirty second in, in running the ball. A lot of that's because they are pretty predictable in running the ball. You can look at the screen and you can tell where their runs going. Uh, they had a second and one, and they had three tries to get one yard, and they couldn't do it. Uh, ended up on a turnover on downs, and it's just the inefficiency of this offense, and there's too much talent on this offense for me to be this bad, so I have to look at something else, and what I'm looking at is a team that it's an offense that seems like it's unprepared each week, uh, and it seems to be getting worse and worse, and I, I just think it has to be better, and there has to be some sort of consequence. Maybe not this week, because it's, it's a short week, and you know, firing a coach or whatever is, is, is difficult, but if things don't turn around soon, I think there has to be some sort of consequence for the way they're playing here. I, Sean, I agree with your take that um, you know even at three and four, the Bucks are still first place in the NFC South. You got to make it to the playoffs. That's what the regular season is for, and they have done that up until this point. So I, I don't think it is time to you know to blow things up and start all over. Like a lot of people want to say, this season is already a wash. I don't think that's the case. I think even at three and four, the Bucks still have a chance to, regardless of how they put it together, put together a couple more wins and be competitive down the stretch. They have time, but let me ask you a question about this coaching staff in particular, Todd Bowles. You know, a lot of people are upset with him and they're emotional with him this week because uh, he hasn't been emotional. He hasn't been, uh, I mean, you know, anytime you have a coach that doesn't give the press the answers they want, they're going to get all upset over it. But I mean, do you agree with Todd Bowles approach thus far? Because, you know, people drew comparisons to, to kind of Tony Dungy back in the day where he was never over reactionary. He, he wasn't going to yell and scream at press conferences. You wouldn't all the time see him up in arms screaming on the sidelines as opposed to maybe a Bruce Arians. And people equate that to, well, you know, even though the talent is there, this Bucks team is a reflection of their coach. In these last two weeks, they've looked flat. And then people look at Todd Bowles go up on the podium and not show a lot of emotion. Do you think he is, you know, going about this the right way because at the end of the day he still is the rest of the season and this is still his team I don't think that's going to change before the end of the year but I mean people feel like he's not as upset as he should be well I know Todd personally I've met Todd this is his personality it's not like you know you meet him in person and he's this high energy guy like a Gruden or something you know he's staying true to himself Bill Belichick's the same way Belichick doesn't show any emotion in the press conferences you know, and nobody, when New England plays bad, you know, people's uh, reaction isn't that they play flat because Belichick doesn't show emotion in the press conference, you know. So I just feel like coaches have personalities uh, as long as they stay true to who they are. And I don't have a way, I don't have a, uh, an issue with that approach. And listen, I know everybody wants to, you know, be radical, <laughs> but I, I mean, Byron Leftwich was the offensive coordinator the last two years. And when they were, you know, doing great, you know, people, you know, had elevated him to the point where I think if they could have got the GM situation right, he would be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. So I don't think two years of all of that good fortune. Don't forget, Jameis threw for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns the year before that with Byron Leftwich as the offensive coordinator. I mean, after all of that production and, and all of those successes, 
on your resume, I'm not going to give up on the guy because you get off to a three and four start. You know, I remind the fan base, I remind, you know, you guys, I think I'm older than both of you. I'm 45. So I don't know how old you were when I, when I got to Tampa, but my first three years there, we started the year three and four every year. So sometimes for whatever reason, you know, one being this is a hard league. <laughs> I mean, I think Seattle, I think Seattle's in first in the uh, NFC West. I mean, who saw that happening, you know, when they traded Russ to Denver, you know, that they were keeping the better quarterback in Geno Smith. Like, I mean, so it's a tough league. And the good thing is, in spite of some of the things that we've seen from this Bucks team in 2022, they are still in first in the NFC South. That's why I started my opinion by saying that, because now – as you try and fix things, you fix them from the top, not the bottom. You know, well, think about the Green Bay Packers and the issues that they're having. And the only real difference on that roster is Devontae Adams. People used to it, – it's, I don't like to make excuses because I think everybody deals with injuries, but, I mean, this is a pretty fantabulous offseason for the Bucks on that offensive line. So don't think that not having your three interior guys from your Super Bowl team doesn't directly correlate to why they can't effectively run the ball. They are mixing and matching on the inside of that offensive line. They're not getting push. They're not getting the level of physicality it takes to run the ball consistently. And I think because of that, Leftwich, and if there is one criticism that I think is justified with Byron, and I think Brady has to shoulder some of it too, they're not committing to running the ball enough. I know they're not very good at it when they do it, but I think they have to make more of an effort to do it more often. But again, he probably doesn't have a lot of confidence in who they have playing on the inside of that O-line. Well, you you brought up the interior of that offensive line, and this was going to be my next question. Todd Bowles addressed it today, but in Sunday's game against Carolina, Luke Edicke left the game, not due to injury, but a lot of people just assumed he was benched. And then we saw backup left guard come in. That's uh, Nick Leverett. He got some lumps. And then sometime in the second half, Luke Gedeke was back in the game and Todd Bowles addressed it today and said, well, uh, if Gedeke's injury prevents him from starting on Thursday night, the plan is to still have Nick Leverett play. But as of right now, it seems like regardless of if Gedeke's healthy or not, and he's starting on Thursday night, they want to get Nick Leverett in there somehow. Do you feel like this alternating left guard look is 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 going to pay off in the long run? Because I know we talked a whole lot about the struggles at the left guard position and Luke Gedeke at this point getting a welcome to the NFL ceremony. But at some point, I feel like you got to be consistent and maybe try and see this through. And with a guy like Nick Leverett coming in and taking snaps, I know he played well when he came in uh, against the Panthers, but like, I feel like in the long run, it's just, it's going to hinder this offensive line more than anything else. Well, I'll say this. Uh, and this is for you, Evan and Rick. Who's the best left guard in the NFL? Probably Quentin Nobody. Nelson. Oh, Right, right. <laughs> you could, you could, like, what the average person can name, what one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the Bucks aren't gonna win or lose because of Luke Gettigan. Like, would you love to have uh, a Pro Bowl caliber player there, like they've had the the last couple seasons, and have a Pro Bowl center and a Pro Bowl right guard? Yeah, you would, but they don't. But I just think trying to ascertain the performance level of a rookie left guard 
I've just found in, in my experiences that that's a futile effort that you're embarking upon. And at the end of the day, there are bigger issues. There are bigger issues. Because if you look at roster management, to whom much is given, much is required, right? So that means my highest paid guys have to be the guys that play the best on a consistent basis. So let's start with the guys that make the most and work our way down. You know, that's just how I evaluate, not just the Bucks, but as I'm looking around the entire league, because I do think Bucks fans should, you know, have a bigger perspective than just what's going on in Tampa. How does it correlate to what's going on around the league? Look at the Rams this year. They're struggling mighty. Look at the Packers. They're struggling mighty. Like, it's not just a Tampa Bay thing alone. So our highest paid guys, like our top 10 guys, did any of them make a big play yesterday? No, if I you mean, go down to if you go down to the, the the payroll for the Bucks for this year, the guy, the ten highest paid guys, did any of them make a big play yesterday? Everybody's unless, gonna look unless, at unless, unless Ryan Suckup is on that list because he's the only one who put up points. I don't know. <laughs> so I mean, that's what I'm saying. So before we before we get to Luke Gettyke or we get to Byron Leftwich or Todd Bowles, hey, your stars gotta be stars. Like they're the ones when okay, people are flat or things aren't going right, they got to get us. How many sacks we have yesterday? They're playing their third-string quarterback. We yeah, had one. Vita Vita had one sack. Like, a lot of money invested in that line. You know, like, how many interceptions did we get? How many calls, fumbles did we have? They haven't had they haven't had a turnover on defense in three straight games. Well, I think that's where you got to start, is your, your, your highest-paid guys got to start making plays. Same way on offense, like – I don't know what's happening this year, but I don't – when I watch us play, maybe one one time a game, like, we get some run after the catch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I feel like every catch is we're immediately tackled or we're going out of bounds. Like, you got to create explosive plays. A lot of money in that receiving core. I mean, those guys got to play better. Hey, Brady, he's missing some throws that he normally makes. So, I just think when you're looking at it, it's not about finger-pointing – it's about accountability. And luckily, they're in first in the NFC South. Now they got to start producing at the level that they're, they're expected to produce at. And I'm talking to, like, those top ten guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I agree uh, that, you know, you said it best, stars got to be stars. Uh, Mike Evans, you catch the ball, you know, you go up 7 nothing. you know, two minutes into the game. Like, that, that's got to happen. Um, you know, Chris Godwin had a few missed opportunities. Tom Brady, like you said, missed a few throws. Uh, Donovan Smith got beat for a sack, and then later on had a false start. He's one of the higher-paid players on the team. So, like, I, I agree with what you said there. Uh, as far as, like, the specific left guard thing, I saw Nick Leverett come in, and I saw him <laughs> play. I mean, but he played better than Luke Gedeke in limited time, yes. And we talk about this, you know, you mentioned this a lot, Sean, about how, you know, in – a small sample size, sure, those backup guys can be fine, but over time you'll see why they're not starting. And I agree. Uh, but I just don't understand the logic as to putting get a key back in. To me, it just it, it it shuffles your offensive line a little bit too much. Leverett was doing okay. Uh, and then you put get a key back in, like just let Leverett ride out to get the rest of the game and see what you have in that for next week. You've seen what get a key is. 
right? And I, I still think Gedeke has the potential to be a solid guard in, in the NFL. That doesn't change my outlook on the rest of his career. Uh, but right now, he's being a little bit overmatched. And I just think they should have given Nick Leverett a little bit more of a look, especially because he looked like a little bit more comfortable than Gedeke was in that spot. Well, Evan, what they may be trying to do is, is make it a true platoon. You know, that way, instead of Gedeke playing 70 snaps, he's playing 35. Instead of Leverett playing 70 snaps, he's playing 35. So kind of hope that the the fresher player can overcome maybe some of the inexperience or deficiencies that that other player would have snap 36 through 70. Yeah, but, I mean, isn't, you know, continuity on the offensive line an important thing? Well, listen, Evan, if they thought they had somebody that could stay out there every, every snap, every series, trust me, <laughs> if it was Nick Leverett, if it was Evan Wanis, shit, you'd be out there, man. <laughs> You're right about that. They're trying, um, they're trying to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, listen, you, you don't know what you truly have until you go out there and see what 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 it's made of. You know what I'm saying? So if swapping the left guard position is what they feel like they need to do right now, then it's something we're going to have to buckle up and get ready for because it's a trial and error process at three and four you got to start looking around and figuring out what works and, and what doesn't. And hopefully Tampa Bay can look at this offensive well, game plan going forward as well and, and figure out what works. And you got to do something different because clearly something so far hasn't worked. So right. Like it, it, what you've been doing hasn't been working. So let me well, ask. I think there are, two, there, there are two things that they have to fix, guys. They've got to fix the presentation of the run game. Yeah. Like they have to fix the, the way they're presenting it because obviously – People have self-scouted them to the point where based on down and distance, formation, personnel group, they've really honed in to, okay, what type of run schemes they want to utilize. So they got to make some adjustments there. Second thing, they got to figure red zone offense out Mm -hmm. because this is where Gronkowski not being there has created a huge void. I mean, because we get in the red zone and, I, I man, listen. I I didn't really expect to see a whole lot of Ryan Sucker, but like, I'm thinking about getting his jersey now because he's the most recognizable offensive player we got. And we have to start converting in the red zone these drives into touchdowns. So, uh, to me, and, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, Red, but those are the two things they have to get fixed offensively. No, I agree 100. percent And and let me ask you this about the red zone possessions they have had. We're going to circle this conversation back around to the offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich, who's been calling plays. But I do believe their inefficiency in the red zone. A huge part of that is is just these play calls. You know, we talked about playing to the strength of your players and and they haven't really tried to get the ball in the hands of a Mike Evans off of a fade in the end zone. Normally, when they do, it works. Two touchdowns against Kansas City had the touchdown week one against Dallas. You know, that's when he was back there basically earning his money. Like, that's what Mike does. And he's in year nine. He's pushing 30 years old. So he's not going to be able to win those contested catches quite, you know, quite that much longer. So you got to make the most use of it while you can, while you have it. But I mean, between that and just a couple of bad calls in general, there was one that I think of. I, I, I believe it was at fourth and one Sunday against Carolina. When they, when they ran the, and they, the they ran a pitch. Yeah. And I mean, they've done that. It was, before. it was the same exact play they ran on fourth and one in Pittsburgh the week before. Exactly. Like I, I so, knew I had seen it so, before and I, right. and I knew it wasn't work. We talked about what the definition of insanity is on this show. And there's a lot of runs inside handoffs inside the red zone that I just I do not care for. I, I, here's, just, here's, I can't. Here's, here's, what, here's what I do know. Tom is actively involved in the game planning with Byron. Yeah. 
I, I do know there's never a time in any game if Tom doesn't like the call play that he can't audible to something else. So I think him and Byron are on the same page. Now it's about execution. I So, I mean, is you can make the perfect call and they don't execute it. You know, think about, again, you mentioned the Mike Evans play early in the game. I mean, that's the perfect play call. I mm-hmm. mean, Executed ball, 90% you know, of the way. <laughs> right. Mike catches that ball 95% of the time. This time he doesn't. You know, sometimes with, with Fournette, sometimes he runs like a big back. Sometimes he doesn't run like a big back. You know, that's not necessarily play call. You know, that's, I yeah. mean, that's the execution part of it. So I just think there's 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 some a disconnect uh on some levels between what's being called and how it's being executed Um, again. And I'm going to continue to keep this context guys, because I don't want anybody jumping off the skyway or the Howard Franklin. I heard they're expanding it about time. Yeah. Wait till I leave. Hey, wait till I leave to do it. Right. Um, They're in first in the NFC South. So (laughs) they can get these things fixed. And if they're playing good, the last quarter of the season, you know, this was all water under the bridge. So I'm not telling people to to not question or have your opinions. And I'm talking to all our listeners and viewers that are going to watch this. I'm saying just always keep context, you know, on your your, your emotional roller coaster. You don't want to be all stressed out and your team's in first because, you know, you could be Green Bay or you could be the Rams or you could be the Broncos. Like, it's, it's, a, I don't... it's some dumpster fires out there. Yeah, it it it's bad. There's some bad bad teams out there. But I don't think enough people are talking about the point that you had mentioned and that's the relationship between Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich and the communication that those guys do have. Well, one of the biggest takeaways that I had, a couple of other people were talking about it from Sunday's game is that you know, whenever the Bucks lose a frustrating game like this, you see people getting frustrated. You see Tom Brady yelling at his offensive linemen. You see Tom Brady throwing and breaking tablets, getting fined for it. You see a couple of people going after each other, but there really wasn't any of that on Sunday. Anyone who was there, there there were a couple of sources that confirmed who were inside the press box watching the game happen that there was no heated confrontation between Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich. Whenever they had communication with each other on Sunday, it was calm. They sat there, they talked it out, and neither of them looked like they wanted to break a tablet. I'm sure they were frustrated as all hell. Do you want them to get into a screaming match? With no, but what I'm or? what I'm trying to what I'm trying to bundle all of this up into and say is that one of the other differences between this 22 Bucks team and the last two seasons that we have seen is execution errors. I mean, nobody's talking about it, but execution errors on both sides of the football. Just like you said, the Mike Evans drop touchdown. That's not on Byron Leftwich. Leonard Fournette not able to get one yard. That's not necessarily on Byron Leftwich. It's it's one of those things where. Execution errors on both sides of the ball are limiting this Bucks team from where they could be. And yeah, is there an adjustment period with a new coaching staff? Yes, there is. But this team is also just not playing but it, well. It's not. It's not a new coaching staff, though. I I, I guess you're right. But I mean, <laughs> how much? Not. Okay, so let me ask you this: What is? I think I may have asked this question before on the show, but like, what is the measuring stick to how much? How much? Uh, how much benefit of the doubt we can give to Todd Bowles? Because I know that this isn't a new coaching staff, but this is his first year as head coach of the right. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is a first year head coach in the NFL. I know he but, had, but the, he, I know he had the yeah. tenure with the giants, but you're with the jets, yeah. excuse me, but you know what I mean? You know, so how much, 
how much credit are we willing to give him as a former defensive coordinator trying to get this thing under wraps? Because regardless of how smooth that transition was thought to be, I mean, he is a new head coach and there are some, some adjustments they're still going to have to work through very clearly here. I mean, to me, this, this team's just too talented. Like th- this team is too talented to be three and four at this spot. So I think when it's that talented and you know, the talent's there because yes, they have lost significant pieces. However, a lot of the core is still there, right? A lot of a lot of this core, especially on defense, a lot of the core on defense is still there. And I just think when you're three and four, you got to look at something. And one of the biggest changes that they made this offseason was at head coach. Now, it might not have been the Bucks' choice. You know, I think it was more Bruce Arians' choice and stuff. But the one of the biggest changes was at head coach. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. Uh, we talked about it, I think, on, on the postgame show that, you know, I think Bruce Arians may have either been lying to try and make Byron look better last year, but like he would, you know, routinely say that oh left which has a bigger hand in it than I do with the offensive game planning to me it's just, it's a different offense I know the execution isn't as, as good but it is still a different offense that we're seeing so I think Bruce Arians definitely had more influence in the offense than many believed he did um, but like that's not the sole reason why they're three and four right now and I you know that's why I'm willing to give Todd Bowles you know I'm not saying he needs to be on the hot seat or he needs to be fired right now um, but at the same time like you got the rest of the season to figure out and at, at the end of the season, then we can evaluate that. But at the end of the season, if, if you don't feel good about Todd Bowles for the future, if he takes this talented team and only wins six or seven games with them, what's that going to say when the team might not be so talented next year or the year after that? Like what, what would that mean for the future of the team? And I think that's where you have to look at it. Well, I agree with the sense of urgency. I mean, because once Brady retires, this is probably a rebuild. You know, I don't think they have, and this is no offense to any of those guys, but from what we've seen from Blaine Gabbard and Kyle Trask, I mean, no one thinks that, you know, one of those guys is going to lead us into the yeah. next, you know, decade. Unless they get lucky, you know, with like a quarterback finding a guy. Yeah, you're probably right. right. Listen, you, you talk to some of these Florida Gator home, uh, you, you know, homers. They'll tell you that Kyle Trask is is still Whoa. the man for the job, and and I I do think to a degree, I feel like this coaching staff is going to see what he has, but not without bringing in some legitimate competition for him because they're just they're not going to hand him that job. Well, I'm just strictly going by what we've seen yeah. from right, Kyle yeah. and Blaine in game situations, whether it be preseason or or, or 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 the like. So, I mean, I'm not in the building every day, so I'm not watching practice. But like I said, based on what I've seen, I don't know that. You know, the guy that's going to lead the Bucks in the next decade is in the building. I think the one thing that Bruce was for that organization is he operated like the big boss. Like, you have a, you know, you got a company, like, you got, like, your immediate boss. You know, you're not really uncomfortable when that person's around. You know, then you got the, the senior exec. You know, you kind of sit up in your seat a little different, but – when the big balls come through, you know, everybody's suited and booted, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. You know, that's kind of what Arians was, kind of kept everybody on edge. Uh, I agree with him 100% that Byron was doing the majority of the game playing and, and was calling, you know, almost all, if not all, of the plays when Bruce was the head coach. But Bruce was kind of like that big boss, like, uh-oh, you know what I mean? Like, hey, 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 you know, Bruce is coming. So maybe they are missing a little bit of that, but 
you know, Todd deserves to build it in his image as well. And uh, you can't judge these guys with an incomplete, you know, like you got to let them play the string out, you know, and at the end of the season, you know, I think that's when you start, okay, this looks like it's going to be an issue under him. This looks like it's going to be an area of concern. This looks like a strength. And then if I'm Jason Light, if I'm the Glazers, then, okay, how do we fill in maybe where he's deficient? Because there is no perfect head coach. I mean, look, Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record in, what is he, 15, 16 years as the head coach? And they look like a damn dumpster fire out there this year. You know, so there is no perfect head coach. You know what I mean? Like, Nathaniel Hackett. Now, if that was Todd Bowles and I, where your time management issues, game management, you know, the Bucks issues are execution related. Mm-hmm. They aren't going for two. You know, on the first touchdown of the game, they are Mike McDaniel up six, goes for it on fourth down instead of kicking the field goal to make it nine. You know, Bowles isn't doing those kind of things. So I just think we have to be a, a little more fair, I think, when it comes to our evaluation of Todd and give him an opportunity to, you know, coach through a full season, and then we'll see where we're at. But get it. I like this. I like I like the passion in the fan base more than pre Tom Brady, where I really felt like people had stopped caring. So well, I really people, care. I mean, the, the standard yeah. that's been set. Now, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. Well, well, that's yeah. Just like Evan said, that's the standard, man. And, and by by you know 2019, 2018, when you're on year four, year five of Jameis Winston, and oh, the Bucks are three and four this time of year yet again. Let's you're bust like, out the draft right, boards. Most it. people yeah. just check out. So yeah, I will say that the intensity and the passion in the fan base is is a uh, is a welcome change. But there are quite a lot of people who get a little too low on the losses and a little too high on the wins. But Evan, what were you saying before I cut you off there? No, yeah, I was just I was agreeing. You know, Todd Bowles should get the, should get the year. Like I'm not saying like, and the Glazers have never fired a head coach midseason. So like that's not going to, especially in year one. Like that's that's not going to happen. However, I will say. The Glazers are pretty impatient owners, you know. I mean, Sean, you know firsthand. They fired Tony Dungy after going to the playoffs, like multiple years in a row. Yeah, and so they, they fired Tony Dungy. They fired John Gruden after going nine and seven, right when they had signed him to a four-year contract extension. They there were there were reports that they were actually considering. They decided not to do it, but they were considering firing Lovey Smith after the two and fourteen first year that he had. They were considering having him as a one and done. They kept him. They went six and ten, and then they 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 canned him after that. But they they want to win. So you know if if this team only wins five six games, you know then at the end of the year, I think Todd Bulls truly does deserve a reevaluation. Because, um, you know, if you make well, if the Bucks, right? Yeah, I mean, if the Bucks go five and twelve, I go over there with the petition, which I, I, I got, I got a feeling that they're gonna win more than two games. I, I hope so. They're gonna, they're gonna be okay. They're gonna be okay, man. I'm not. I get it. Though. I love the passion. I really do. But they're gonna be all right. They're in first. But Todd's been in the league a long time. Byron has. Brady has. You think Brady want to go out like this oh, in his last I, I year? I talked about that yesterday. Yeah. yeah, come on, man. He's not going out like no sucker. 
Like they're gonna get it figured out. <laughs> I hope so. I, I hope for for all Bucks fans, you know, everybody listens, comments, and stuff. Like we can sense, you know, the the, the frustration stuff. Everybody was in the live stream yesterday after the game, and um, you know, everybody wants. You want to know that on the same page. Here. You want to know the worst part though is that like even though the the team isn't in the best spot, even though people are up in arms, everyone has an opinion on what's going on right now with a three and four Tampa Bay football team. Uh, our views have like never been better. Like yeah, yesterday was our most viewed show of the season, and I feel so terrible saying that. But everybody's so upset. Thank you. And it, about that? It, Let's use that as a time to thank everybody. Yeah, bro. yeah. Firstly, thank you for checking us out. We do appreciate you guys. We also hit four thousand subscribers over there on YouTube. Something we've been working towards for a long time. So we do appreciate you. It just, you know, I wish we were talking about happier football and I wish people were this engaged when they were winning games. You know what I mean? Everybody's looking for a solution when they're three and four, not when not when they're two and oh with some things to fix. But uh, I was happy today. I was happy. I was yeah. in a good mood. Go. When they watch it, they're going to be shocked. And hopefully they, they come out like okay yeah you know what it's not that bad we're gonna be okay yeah I, I hope that's the message we can convey on this podcast because like we've said before i mean we said this all the way back before week one on the season prediction show with this new level of confidence that uh that bucks fans have had with tom brady as their quarterback in recent years people tend to get a little too high on the wins and a little too low on the losses so while three and four is not where you expected the bucks to be Context is important. First place in the NFC South. They can still build up from where they are, and where they are right now is first place in their division with a shot to play in the playoffs. But let's wrap it up, and let's look ahead. It's a short week for Tampa Bay, so there will be no official game preview show this week. So this might kind of be it, but um, they've got Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens coming to town, which is going to be a pretty tough task considering we look at this defense, and I know that they aren't the main problem with this Bucks team but the one thing that I look at and the one thing that Baltimore is certainly looking at is how bad this run defense has been. Evan, coming into this matchup, what do you think the Bucs have to fix on both sides of the ball to uh, to be ready to compete with this Baltimore team? Well, again, you know, I think it's on offense, it's about third down. I believe the Bucs were two for 12 on third down on offense yesterday. That's not going to cut it. Um, and a Baltimore team that's very talented. But, you know, Baltimore has lapses at times. They have struggled in the fourth quarter this year they had some wins that became losses because they couldn't close they out they finally held on to a lead last week they to, did. They to almost hang blew on it, and beat they, cleveland yeah they, they almost blew it they almost found a way to blow it but they held on there but um you know on offense i think you know, you have to look at the third down offense and you got to continue to move the sticks uh and on defense you have to force the ravens to pass the ball meaning you have to win on first and second down the ravens can't be inconsistent just like you know the chiefs were a few weeks ago it can't be consistently third third and three, third and two, third and one. Uh, that's where you get in trouble because that's where Baltimore wants you. Baltimore wants to be able to control the clock, control the pace of the game and run the ball. So um, I, I think those two things, if the Bucks can fix those two things, they have a decent chance to win on Thursday night. But at the end of the day, you know, until I see it, you know, I'm, I'm not going to believe it until I see it because, you know, it's got to be better. Uh, it's a good matchup. It's a good challenge for the defense. Can they contain Lamar Jackson? Uh, limit his explosive plays. Uh, their passing game did get Rashad Bateman back, who missed uh, a couple games. Uh, I think Mark Andrews went out with injury yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, because uh, when it doesn't, it has him for two targets, no catches. So I, I got to read up on that. I did not read up on it before uh, before the show today, but it'll be a good matchup. Uh, Baltimore's been a team that's been really good in the first half. 
And then it's kind of stagnated late in games. Uh, dominated the New York Giants two weeks ago. Had a 20-10 lead in the fourth quarter with the ball and, and found a way to lose that game. Uh, collapsed in the second half versus Buffalo. Collapsed in the second half versus Miami. So, you know, they're a team that could easily be sitting here 6-1, and 7-0, and oh, but they're not. They're 4-3. and three. So, the uh, winnable game for Tampa. Um, I think you can have success against that Baltimore defense. I think they're really undisciplined. You know, talented, but undisciplined. They get a lot of defensive penalties if you watch their game. So, it'd be a good, good opportunity for Tampa on national TV to kind of start changing the narrative a little bit about this season. You know, uh, uh, last time uh, we were national TV, I think uh, Patrick Mahomes was in revenge mode. And uh, we got caught up in the blitzkrieg that was the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, then the time before that, uh, we did a pretty good job against Dallas. You know, it was interesting because that game, if you look at it from a contextual standpoint now, it started to highlight some of the issues that have become bigger issues for us. Red zone offense, uh, lack of uh, efficient and effective run game, lack of explosive plays in the pass game. So, you know, hopefully we can get back to it. I know the guys are working hard, but uh, I think Tampa finds a way to win this one. It's crazy to think, too, back to that Kansas City game. I think that's probably the most efficient this offense has been all year. And they were playing from behind because we obviously remember Rashad White, the fumble on the opening kickoff. You spot Kansas City seven points. All of a sudden, you got to kick it into high gear and you're playing from behind. So, yeah, we, we saw the passing game actually work that week, even though it wasn't enough to take the win. You know, you're looking for more consistency on both sides of the ball, and it's going to start with execution and and. Even though Baltimore is a team that tends to fall apart in the second half, they're not going to make quite as many mental mistakes down the stretch. They are an experienced team. And at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson's a good quarterback, and he's going to do what he can to keep his team in the game. It's an interesting stretch that they have because, you know, you have the Ravens here, and then you have the Rams who have really owned you the last two years. And then you have a Seahawks team, which on the surface, it looked like it was going to be, oh, this might be a pretty easy win but seattle's playing good ball so uh these next three games are really going to determine i think the fate of your season 100 i i do agree uh final thoughts before we wrap this thing up just on the state of this bucks team at three and four the message we want to send is that hey the season isn't over yet you know climb back down from the fence up there on the skyway you're good for right now but uh you know what's going to give people hope heading into these next few games here you know it's the talent that they have, um, you know, and it's, it's not, they've had the same talent the last few years. They have Tom Brady, they have Mike Evans, they have Chris Godwin they, on, on the offensive side. I know we spent most of the episode on the offensive side of the ball, but I think that's where most of the concerns are because that's where a lot of the talent is. And um, I think if you're looking at things from a bright side, you just have to hope that, you know, eventually these guys are so good that they're going to figure it out. I just think we've been here before. You know, we've had some three or four teams, specifically the ones I was attached to. And I remind people my first three years, we that's what we were, three and four. We made the playoffs every year. So uh, it's a long season. I know it's easy to get frustrated, you know, especially when you lose two games to teams that you had circled. You know, uh, Ravens actually come to Tampa as a small road favorite. So uh, that's just another, you know, motivating tool for our team, like, the odds makers say that they're supposed to win the game. So uh, let's go out and prove the odds makers wrong. Hopefully that cannon on that pirate ship gets a lot of action on Thursday yeah. night. 
Oh, yeah. And and if there's anything we've learned this year in the NFL, you can never trust the lines. I mean, the Bucs were favored to win by 13 points last week, and that clearly didn't happen. But um, They were favored by that this week, too. Oh, man. I'm, uh, I'm surprised. I mean, even when I saw the first line open against Carolina, I think it got bumped up a couple of points after the McCaffrey trade, but I was still still pretty surprised to see it that wide open but uh we'll see what changes this week for tampa bay on thursday night football with that being said ladies and gentlemen that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the cannon fire podcast with former bucks quarterback sean king thank you again for your time and coming on we truly appreciate get your thoughts on the game this bucks team and much more where can the people find you on social media and check out your awesome content uh at real sean king on twitter uh i host a talk show from uh, 3 to 6 Pacific, Monday through Friday, on VSIN, V-S-I-N. Or you can download the app or catch us on YouTube TV, Hulu, or Fubo. Hey, uh, so kind of a sidebar. I know, you're a, I know you're a big sports betting guy. It's what you do your show on. World Series is coming up. You can see our buddy Evan has got his Phillies hat on. Who's your pick, Sean, for the World Series? you think Philly can get over Houston and just the, uh, the unstoppable force that they have been this postseason? Well, Houston's supposed to win the series. I just think uh, Philly's bats have gotten hot. Like, Reese Hopkins and, uh, shoot, what's buddy name? It's from Las Vegas. Uh, Bryce Harper. I mean, they, they're on they're on fire. Yeah, Bri- Bryce Harper, that guy. That guy. <laughs> hey, but Reese, Reese, Reese Hopkins has been balling too. Like, they, they got hot at the plate at the right time. I still think. So I'm a big baseball guy, and the Phillies and Evan. This will let you know that I know exactly what I'm talking about. The Phillies defense stinks. Like I don't know how they've gotten to this point, and the back end of their bullpen isn't close to as good as the back end of the Astros' pen. So, listen, they probably ran into the one team that can hit the long ball as well as they can, and it's it's hot at the plate. So the Astros are favored, but I mean, hey, Philly been finding a way, but. You know, they got to keep trying to hide that bullpen. And, and they started to try and blow some games on defense. That 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 second baseman, shortstop, and third baseman y'all got, Evan, boy, they, they, they make you go off sometimes. I do think the defense has been a little bit overblown, but there's been stretches where you're like, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Anthony Dominguez and Jose Alvarado out of the pen have been really good, but outside of those two guys, it kind of gets a little messy. So hopefully the Philly starters can uh, can power the way most of the way through the series. It's not going to be easy, it's gonna, but uh, – It's going to be some great – It's going to be exciting, though, because both parks are like hitters' parks. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be exciting. It's not going to be like a 2-1 kind of series, I don't think. Perfect time to remind you guys as we wrap up that this podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Head over to their website and use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for an extra 50% bonus on your first deposit. Once again, promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at betonline.ag. Follow the podcast on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Bucks fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. I know you got the staff picks coming out if that hasn't already dropped. 
What else you got uh, coming this today. week? Uh, come out today, and then the stock stock watch will come out as well. Uh, again, another week where you might be seeing a lot more players be stocked down than stock up, unfortunately. That's uh, all right. We'll be looking forward to that. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram, and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. With that being said, folks, the next time we talk to you... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to be Thursday night because uh, I may or may not have gotten an offer to go to the game. So if it ends up being Thursday night, we'll let you know. If it's not, then it'll for sure be Friday. Uh, but the next time we talk to you, we will recap week eight Thursday night football matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Baltimore Ravens. Should be a good one. I am your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanich and Sean King. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for watching and go Bucks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.